get into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And here we are live on the spoiler room. I've got a great crew tonight. We are just marching through March with our animated month theme going on. And uh, it's more mature uh, animated films for the most part. Uh, And tonight I've got a great crew with me sitting in to discuss Fantastic Planet. Fantastic Planet. Special Grand Prize, Cannes Film Festival. Fascinating, a fine adventure story. And yes, to join me tonight to talk about this uh, very interesting animated film from 1973, we first have Gonzerific in the His House. It is the lovely Andrew Shearer. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Hey, Mark. You know, I heard this movie had blue titties in it, so you know I had to come out for it. (laughs) It does indeed. It does indeed. And next to the lovely Andrew is the bowtie man himself. He is back once again. It is Mr. Paul Salzer. Hello, Paul. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And uh, hope everyone's been enjoying this month's theme of animated films. And this one is definitely a unique one brought to us by the Director uh, Rene Lalo, 
or I may have mispronounced that, but uh, this futuristic story takes place on a faraway planet where blue giants rule and oppressed humanoids rebel against the, their machine-like leaders. Uh, <laughs> I will say, uh, I would just start off right off the bat and say, as far as films go that we've watched for animated films, this one is really the most different from the others i think uh andrew uh when you first saw fantastic planet what were your feelings with this uh unique uh animated movie i thought it the people that made it were on lots of drugs and it was made for people who were on lots of drugs that was my initial take <laughs> a movie for those who get high <laughs> yeah i mean well i mean you know because it could it could be put in the same category with like you know 2001 and planet of the apes and you know movies of that around from that time from that same time period sci-fi from that same time period but this has got to be hands down the most bizarre of all of them yeah it it is really out there and uh just just kind of uh so unique in in, in its presentation as well as story and everything about it is but it does feel like someone who uh, took some mind-altering medication or, or some other substance and then decided to... Bad clams. Bad clams make a <laughs> film. <laughs> Paul, how, how about you with Fantastic Planet? Uh, I was actually very impressed by it. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Especially the sound effects. I mm -hmm. thought the sound engineering and the music was spot on. Uh, I didn't expect to see as many uh, breasts as I did in the film. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 does definitely have uh, uh, the rather uh, nude nude aliens going on their clothing, which doesn't actually cover a whole lot. And uh, as you dig into the story, what you do is you get the story of uh, it's the drog, I believe they're called, and they apparently have taken over planets including earth and so they have humans who in the film are referred to as ohm who are basically their playthings and the story we get is of uh tiwa who is a uh her dad is it has a place on their government council or whatever and and she runs across a baby uh who has been orphaned after one of the aliens played with the mom too much and broke her <laughs> <laughs> paul the way this film opens oh man i mean it, it doesn't i mean you know right away what type of film you're getting into don't you uh yes especially when it starts out like the intermission of a monty python film <laughs> that <laughs> you pretty much are like wow and uh yes I, I and I want to take if if I could just uh, spend sure. a because I I took some French I took a like a semester of French mm -hmm. and I just want to mention that uh, the om is is kind of a play on words because that's the French word that sounds like om meaning man and the young boy's name is actually the French word for earth which is kind of I think that's a kind of a neat little thing so, oh so young ter, so ter is the uh, word a ter, ter ter so it's, yeah. So like if uh, like a potato is a pomme de terre, which is like an mm -hmm. apple of the earth. So and so terre is actually kind of a play on words. It's the French word for earth. And so he's a, he's an earthling. And uh, the ohms, uh, which is is basically like the French word for man. So huh. 
That that's that's very interesting. Look at that, folks. We are not only opinionated but educational here on the spoiler room. Uh, that that is very cool, Paul. Uh, and that does make a lot of sense with the naming then that they have for ohms and terrors, uh, uh, terror. And but this opening scene, a- Andrew, uh, how did you feel about this? Uh, that we're basically the humans usually we get sci-fi and humans are a little bit more prominent but here not so much no i mean it 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 goes right away lets you know the situation of this planet where the drags are basically treat human characters like um i don't know the the way that humans that we treat anything we deem to be lower than us you know (laughs) And you're like, okay, right. At first, like, well, are they dogs? Are they rats? Are they ants? They're definitely a lot smaller, but um, we're there's no concern, like you said, for uh, for their life or well-being. They're seen as definitely as animals of some sort, and uh, <laughs> there is no better illustration of that than showing that they don't give a shit when one of them dies. <laughs> Kids are just playing with them like they're nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, especially for me, what, what kind of got me was when uh, when the one alien that he flicks the mom, I mean, yeah. like, like with her, you know, and, and just opening like this, it kind of takes you back a little bit going, wow, I mean, humans, okay, we're not, we're like just ants, we're like pests, we're just like nothing to these aliens, and that stays a theme throughout this film, and I thought, that was just a really interesting approach, and especially for 73, uh, that had to take some American audiences, I'm sure, back. You know, French, maybe not so much. I don't know. <laughs> uh, because this is a very artistic film with the uh, artistry. It is, it is very more hand-drawn and sketched than especially some of the other animated films we've had. What do you think of the artistry with this, the way it was drawn for an animation compared to, say, other animated films, even at that time? Well, I loved how it was not concerned with the three-dimensional plane, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, now the animation that we're so used to seeing and have seen for a long time, particularly American animation, is kind of based on a three-dimensional character. So, in other words, like, the drawings of these, whatever they are, not only do they have to kind of be simplified when we see them in a Disney or a Pixar or whatever else um, to make it easier to animate. But also um, the character design has to be able to change if it's at three quarter stance or or from the top or whatever else. What I loved about fantastic planet is that the drawings are the freaking drawings Mm -hmm. and these things move the way a drawing moves, not the way an actual three-dimensional physical object moves and therefore all of the detail everything that makes a piece of art in two dimensions awesome stays and that gives it a really kind of unique look yeah it it was interesting how they handled that especially for depth and such uh and it does give it a a really unique and and interesting look and it it felt almost like a picture book Mm -hmm. yes yeah that was great like you're more watching a reading a children's anim, you know, well, maybe a little more mature because of the nudity, yes. but then again, <laughs> we are talking about Europe, so you never know. Uh, but uh, it felt like you're almost turning the pages of animated, uh, animated children's book almost. Paul, did you get that feeling with this art and, and giving it that type of style? 
the, the having to use kind of like that pencil sketch thing gave it a much like childlike kind of warm feeling to it. And I loved how alien everything felt to me. Like you didn't have characters that like the drog never blinked. They, they always just changed the eye color from like blue to red to, to this weird kind of grayish kind of color. And that just seemed very alien to me. And I was like, blink, come on, just, just blink. And, <laughs> but it was, it was, it, uh, like you said, it, it had this childlike child book type of artistry to it. And I just loved the choice of colors. I loved how everything looked alien to me, except for the humans, which you're supposed to focus on. So, uh, yeah, they did a really, they made some great choices there and I'm glad that they did. Yeah. And, and we'll, Let's talk about the drag. Uh, really interesting alien design. It really felt like they were going out there and trying to create something alien and not just humans in space or large humans. Yeah, I mean, th- these guys uh, did uh, astral projection and some weird thing with the tickle booth. Uh, <laughs> Paul, how'd you feel about how they designed the drug with this and, and the society they built and just, just the whole story with their alien culture? Uh, it felt somewhat alien. There were some parallels that I saw with, uh, and I think they did that on purpose. There's a later scene where you're going to see uh, the humans, uh, the Ohm kind of frolicking. And that to me was almost a parallel to what they were doing later on in the film, but you don't get to see that until the very end. And it's like, Oh, so they aren't as alien um, as you might've thought, but up to that point, yes, you kind of are meant to see them as a, a different type of species. They have the ability to meditate. They learn by, by basically kind of an osmosis type device. And where they just uh, they sit there and they they wear this kind of uh, jewelry that implants them with their knowledge, which I thought was great. And it, it felt a little bit like Battlefield Earth as well. It's <laughs> oh, not it's not exactly a great comparison there, Paul. I realize it, but this this came out way before that, I'm sure. Yes. yes. So, but <laughs> but did, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the, their technology and their spiritualism was was fantastic until i realized that you know uh, for someone as technologically uh, and spiritual as these creatures they really did treat the ohm kind of crappy and and it felt like well oh wait that's that's us we're kind of like that too <laughs> <laughs> so that part that aspect of it they weren't they weren't that alien but the way they looked their their history their culture the the whole idea of you know how they learned that stuff was alien to me and their landscape, especially like when they walked out in spring and they had these crystal like grass things growing and then they would whistle to shatter them. That sort of stuff was alien. Right. Yeah. yeah that part the the world that they lived in definitely was alien. Their, their culture was somewhat alien, but almost somewhat like hippies grew up into big blue aliens uh, it kind of had a hippie culture feel to it uh am i off on that andrew did they kind of feel like hippies because i mean here they are kind of knowledgeable yet in some ways they almost seemed you know just groovy and chill and maybe not so knowledgeable in other things i mean how, how'd you feel with with, with them well uh, i think i think the whole notion of 
intelligence is one of the themes with this thing because mm -hmm. supposedly these guys see themselves as more evolved and better than uh, the ohms are. But then, you know, you see the ohms react to that by like priding themselves and being a little fearful of learning stuff because mm -hmm. at one point the ohms get a hold of this one of those learning devices and some of them are like yeah cool we're gonna learn more about them and you know be able to advance ourselves and then uh the other ones are like no they're bad and if we do this then that's bad and you're like oh look at what they're saying with this you know mm -hmm. yeah it, it, it was interesting how the the uh debate with culture with the uh, knowledge and even among the ohm because when you get into the ohm the ohm you have the tame ohm and the wild ohm <laughs> And I thought that was an interesting aspect. I mean, not only did you have the division of supposedly these superior aliens who seemed a little bit unknowledgeable about exactly what the Ohm were, they outside of just perceiving them as pests. And yeah, then and with the wild ones really did not want a Starbucks in their Walmart, as I recall. <laughs> yes. yeah, there was a subdivision. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a division. Uh, uh, you had the wild ohms and the tame ohms, and then even within that, they they had the the knowledge of tree power uh, ohms, and then you had the the hollow was it the hollow wood ohms. I mean, there were so many divisions even amongst them, showing you how though you would think they'd be combined in a common goal, uh, they they were still divided because humans are, are still humans. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you did make a good point about saying that the drugs were really just hippies because what do they do with their big meditation? They run off together and just screw on top of those weird statues. All they're doing is really going to trying to do it to have sex with each other. Yeah. Well, with sex with others because they've gotten kind of bored with their, they kind of got bored with their own society almost. So they, Astro project themselves in bubbles to attach themselves to these huge statues so that they can frolic with other aliens who can <laughs> astro project and attach themselves to huge statues. Yeah, and yeah. It, yeah, it was that, it's not so real. different from the like what Paul was saying when it showed the the ohms running off under a tree to do it with each other, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, because they had that religion and he had the one guy who was against uh terror because he brought the device for learning and you could tell he was the spiritual leader of their group. And they had the religious thing where, yeah, where they frolic, they take a piece of the glowing uh, uh, food and they glow and get naked. Yeah, uh, they do. It's so basic. It's just, hey, let's, let's go into the field and get naked. And uh yeah, that was, that was just wild. But also, I think they were kind of trying to say something a little bit there, maybe with the religion and the, the whole kind of uh, uh, body of <clears throat> the, the whole body, of, you know, almost like communion yeah. there, that they were doing, but, but kind of their own communion style. Uh, and yeah, it's just interesting parallels they had within these groups and uh, it was an interesting exploration. I, I think it's trying to use the aliens to explore humanity, uh, you know, not only the alien world and the ohms, but try to reflect it to the real world. You think that's what they're going for with this, Andrew? Yeah, definitely. I mentioned earlier that, you know, the whole way that they treat 
the ohms and making the ohms people was a big like a big thing i think this would have been a different movie if the ohms had looked had been like you know i'm saying like green or something you know having them be people makes the person watching this immediately go like oh no i'm not an animal oh no i'm a person i can't be you know oh how awful they're treating this little person like that but you know what's the difference man if if uh you know they're picking up that little kid's that baby's mom and just dropping her and her dying if she looked like you know like a lizard or something you wouldn't feel that but because she is a human you're like oh no but what does that say about how we treat lizards you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> and that that's what i caught too was the fact that you have the humans being treated as pests and not only you know, and sometimes you get that in sci-fi where the aliens view humans as pests, but they're still kind of, you know, same size or similar size. The fact that these aliens are so huge really gets the idea across that uh, humans are pests. And that kind of puts you in an uncomfortable place because you're looking at this going, oh, my God, like you said. But then you're thinking, but wait, oh, you know what? I was just burning ants with a uh, you know, <laughs> with a magnifying glass on the sidewalk when I was a kid. And this is, this is really not much different. <laughs> no, man. And when, when they are like, decide to like exterminate them or whatever, and it shows them like, you know, smoking them all out and using their pesticides or whatever, that is like really disturbing. Oh, that, that was so disturbed. The, the uh, light, devices that basically if the light shined on the humans it killed them yeah that was oh that bug that and then they had many different ways to kill them you had that you had uh gas and then you had the um the devices that shot out pellets mm -hmm. that gassed people yeah that yeah. whole scene especially when they were basically purging the pests out of the park yeah, and that's me when I go to Home Depot at the beginning of spring. I get like every <laughs> raid and ant killer and ant yeah, bait. And weed killer and all that stuff, man. I'm like all in it. And I'm thinking now I'm watching this going like I am an asshole. Well, and I thought it was also interesting that they had some ohm tethered with gas masks to track down other ohm. It was shitty. God, it was so but we do that too. Yeah. You know, I, use animals to hunt other animals, right? You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we we do that as well. So it's it was interesting because I caught myself going, "Wow, this is really disturbing." And then it made me reflect for a minute, going, "But uh, actually, you know." <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody in Fantastic Planet is kind of an asshole. I mean, yeah. kind of really. Like, there's no. I I don't know if you felt this, but I couldn't really connect to any character. Not even Tear, which is who is supposed to be your lead who was a, found as a baby they killed his mother you know he so he grew up around them learned their language all that stuff and then kind of becomes a leader in the ohms but he kind of sucks kind of you know what i mean like he's like, he's mean he's a dick <laughs> he is a, okay thank you i'll cover it out and say he's a dick no he, <laughs> he, i i got that impression too even the whole time when you know when he was the pet or whatever you know it's just like he was just a total ass, and then he he, it's like I have the conch, I have the conch shell, uh, from 
okay, Lord of the Flies reference there, maybe a little <laughs> right. too. No, Six to your ass, Mark. Obviously, obviously, Paul gets it. <laughs> We're all friends here. But, but tear, tear having the uh, the the you know the band of knowledge, he was kind of like. <laughs> And, and he's like, you know, being an ass to the spiritual guy. And then they have a fight with these creatures and he basically kills a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stabs the thing in the head, too. Oh, fucking what? I, he was definitely a dick, but I think it was because he was he was nurtured as a dick. Uh, uh, Triwa raised him like a like a doll and a dog. I just, this whole, it felt a little surreal and alien. And they get on as the Ohm get more advanced. They, they build this city and they build a rocket and they go to the planet, uh, another planet to colonize it or whatever. And they kind of agree with the drug. And I think with the way the film progressed, that, that surprised me a little bit. Uh, Andrew, uh, did you? the resolution of how this film came out where they talk about how they all kind of got kumbaya. Did that kind of surprise you with the way the rest of the film played out with, especially with the drag versus Ohm? Well, I was trying to think of what other way it could have possibly ended given what I thought it was. They're trying to say, Mm -hmm. because if you present this problem, which is how people treat one another um, and how we treat everything, how people treat everything what can your resolution possibly be if you're making a comment about a lack of compassion well you should have something good happen you should have peace occur you know so in that regard i was happy with it because i was not necessarily expecting it but hoping for it as we do in life you know i guess it is about the only way uh to play it out to have it be peace because otherwise it's the ohm get completely obliterated and though they do uh, eliminate their their love statues so i guess you know i guess that was one resolution the ohm strike back by shattering these statues yeah i mean i just (laughs) one thing that i couldn't quite get my head around is and maybe i felt like i missed it was what are the ohms to them and do they need them you know, what, mm-hmm. you, what, what use would they have for making peace with them? Ex- other than the fact that we can, they can learn, they can build, they can have weapons, they can resist us, they can kill us. Because a whole bunch of the little ones do a Gulliver's Travel on one of the big ones and yeah. kill his ass. And his punk ass friend just runs away. Two of them <laughs> could have took all of them because they're squishing them, they're stepping on them, and you're like... Man, man, this is not going to end well. They're just going to step on all of them. Then they get the best of homie, and you know, pull him down. And then his friend looks at him, like, "Fuck this!" (laughs) I don't think he expected them to be that way, though. You know? No, no. He was like, "Oh damn! (laughs) Oh damn! Yeah, you're not getting me. I'm gonna, hey, dude, I'm gonna go get help." (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know what I'm saying? Though, like, like the only reason I think they made peace with them is because they were afraid that you know they were a real threat to them. Otherwise. I mean, if they were talking about ex- extinguishing them, they didn't need them. What did they provide? There was no ecosystem, was there? Or did I miss that? Uh, the the way the sex statues work is that uh, when they're in their meditative state, they're those red balls, and they they go and they they attach themselves to the statues. And then apparently there are other races out there that can also do the mental um, uh, meditation, and those are those blue balls. 
<laughs> of all things. And it's very similar to the way the humans, the ohms were procreating. And that's that scene that I was telling you about. That's the parallel. But apparently when those statues come together, they exchange energy and that energy is what the drug use to, uh, to sustain themselves. So without those statues, they actually will die off. So they need those statues. Is that what they were getting at then in their meetings when they were? Yes. Okay, because it was kind of hard because since they were using alien, they were using the alien terms, it was kind of hard to understand what they were actually referring to. So that kind of part of sci-fi world building is eludes me. It's not what I look for when I watch science fiction. I'm not looking mm-hmm. for, you know, like those kind of things. Don't I don't like enjoy relearning an entire world. You know, I respect it and I appreciate it and I'm blown away by any mind that can create it. But as far as once I'm in the movie, they get too far into that stuff. And I'm like, King me. (laughs) (laughs) I get what you're saying. I'm I'm with you there with your story. But I always feel like the details of the world, while I'm sure relevant to the plot and the whole thing, I'm sure I'm not enjoying it on the level that others might Uh uh, because of that. (laughs) So you don't necessarily need to. The, the deep details in a sci-fi world you're just you anything that you see you, you kind of want it a little bit more just uh plot driven and find out along the way yeah 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 because i know the the best sci-fi the kind of sci-fi i enjoy is mm-hmm. um, is addressing something that's very non-fiction you know sure and uh that's what i got with this so but the rest of it yeah i mean i, I probably just not 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 smart enough to uh to really like appreciate uh, all that other stuff's going into it so i remember the scene i remember mm-hmm. what you're talking about but it was that was not um that was not a part that really interested me it, it may it, it brings so many more things uh into focus there as far yeah. as why why it was so important to them because i think i i missed that a little bit while watching it because i was like you i was into the story of of terror and then the ohms and then you know kind of ohms against the drug kind of into that but as far as the details of their their culture uh i guess i missed some things on that and that was cool that he pointed it out because it does bring some of those things into focus uh though i did kind of thought it was interesting how they had their government uh it felt like their government meetings public Mm -hmm. like completely so I'm wondering if they were touching a little bit on, on trying to give it a little bit of a human characteristic as far as that regards of, of public meetings of your officials, yeah, I guess I it would know. be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I mean, it's, it's why it's still fun to watch now and to mm-hmm. think about, you know, um, because good science fiction doesn't matter when it was made, you know? Well, the that, and that's what I think. I think this is a decent sci-fi film. It might turn some people off because of the way, you know, humans basically are treated and portrayed that, but it's making a point. And, and that is kind of the point of the film is, is how humans treat what they may perceive as lesser beings, as well as how they treat each other. It's a reflection of that. And some of the themes in here still pertain to today, to human nature. Uh, And even with the aliens, I think they're, I think they're, weakness in this the drag were their arrogance yeah yeah it was and that you know that but that isn't that always the downfall of this supposedly super intelligent villain as it were you know 
is just grossly underestimating the uh, its enemy. Well, and but I also think that that was kind of a parallel of trying to make a statement about humans in real life, not in the movie world, of how our arrogance can get the better of us and mm-hmm. how if we're not careful, those little pests may rise up and kill us. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... I would really compare this story originated as a as a book, mm-hmm. and um, Planet of the Apes I feel is a contemporary of that. Had I think they were from around the same time period, and def- both French, if not the same time period. It, it does have you. You can also see similar themes like that. Yeah, in, in Planet of the Apes, while they're not giant aliens, you and, and like the Drog. Instead, you have primates who have mm-hmm. become the dominant species on the planet, and so. Yeah. There is a yeah. There's a strong. You're, now that you're mentioning it, yeah, that is a strong parallel to it. And even when you get to the uh, rocket graveyard, you, you know the remnants of of an older uh, civilization, if you will, not necessarily human civilization, but uh, still that there are a lot of there are a number of parallels to that. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, there for a for a movie that's just a was like an hour and change, an hour and twelve. 10, about an hour and 12 time. minutes yeah, yeah. God, they, it does so much covers so much ground and shows so you know what i mean it's, it's weird as we're talking about this movie that sounds like an epic multi-part you know what i mean but it's really it, rather short it it well it, it gets gives its idea and it moves on i mean you you don't really stay on the themes too long a lot of scenes in here there's a lot of animation going on and, and s- scenes and set pieces in that within this film it it blows through the timeline. I mean, we see a good chunk of Terror's life from from when he was a baby on, but it moves through it. Yeah, you're right, really quickly, but yet they're still able to get their ideas across, even down to, you know, touches on uh, slavery a bit, you know, as how the some of the Omar treated. I got the, you know, the impression of slavery a bit uh, with that. But then when you get into the wild versus, uh, you know, the the more uh, aggressive and emotional uh, ohm versus the ones who were at the education tree. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, the whole thing just with the, um, the, even down to just the little plants and the, 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 all the environment, all those details, you know, they're just constantly new things to look at. And you really, if you, you have to pay attention and you won't be lost, but you will miss all the wonderful things are included. There was like, you know, they just walk through past something and it's just it's this thing after thing that you've never seen before. You know, it's just completely, completely alien world, very stylized. And there's a lot of detail in a film that animated film that moves on fairly quickly. And it kind of is how the approach is, because, you know, some animated films, when you watch them, you realize that part of them are going Look at what we can do. You know. Oh yeah, at- that's something I need to bring up. That was part of my question. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, what you what you want to bring up? Well, I just you know I, my my takeaway really from Fantastic Planet and what I love most about it, and what would be you know kind of my final thing about Fantastic Planet the movie itself, was just a, of how artistic and specific this movie is, mm-hmm. and how something like this could only be made independently from the studio system and really from popular culture from mainstream film and uh with and and not with an idea in mind of 
appealing to people, but rather communicating an idea to people. So Fantastic Planet, when we're talking about the animation, looks cheap, rudimentary, basic, archaic, simple. But the things that it is doing, the ideas it is presenting, the art that it has in it, all of that takes the front seat. Like that, the overall art of it and, and its message and its story is more important than a sophistication of presentation. You think about it now, you said it, man. It's like all the money that goes into stuff to make it look as convincing and blow us away as possible. I think something is sacrificed there. My question is why with all the advances in filmmaking, I mean, Fantastic Planet comes from the late 60s, early 70s. Effects have come all this way, and yet we seem to not really be saying much with it. Um, why do you think? Why do you think something like Fantastic Planet, as a film on uh, on the whole, do you think it it uh, basically destroys most of what is uh, presented as uh, science fiction now? Oh, if yeah, uh, Paul, how'd you feel feel with that? Would you say that uh, kind of destroys anything uh, science fiction now because it's more on story than its its flashy looks? I think uh, science fiction is trying to get toward back toward that. I'm seeing a lot of new films heading toward that direction, which is promising. But uh, yeah, you're right. It, it's, it doesn't rely on the special effects. I think somewhere along the line, maybe, maybe Star Wars kind of did it. You, do, do we talk about like sci-fi pre-Star Wars? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or even 70s sci-fi pre-Star Wars? <laughs> It really changed the way that science fiction movies were done. If you look at everything that was like right before it, and then as soon as like right after it, the difference. Yeah. There, we really didn't go back to the silent running, you know, Soylent Green type of sci-fi, Logan's Run type of sci-fi. You know, everything was space battle. Yeah. Now that you mention it, uh, you're right because this is pre-Star Wars, mm-hmm. and Star Wars was different and blew people away because of it was epic scope and and i love it dearly don't get me wrong but you're absolutely right it it kind of dumbed down science fiction well the focus went to the effects Mm -hmm. and uh is that what everyone needed to see every time from their sci-fi you know do every time we go to see a sci-fi movie is it the effects that need to blow us away? Can it not be the story that blows us away or the design that blows us away? You think about why people still love Fifth Element? Mm-hmm. Because it looked cool. <laughs> Did it not? It oh, it was it was amazing. I love Fifth Element. I watch it all the time. I mean, from the outrageous characters to the crazy uh, design, and but even the story of it was just it was odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's why it's remembered, and that's why people think it is so great, is because it dared to not be like the stuff we'd seen. It was a like, brazenly uh, artistic and concerned itself with fashion and presentation. Yeah, it's a cool story, but nothing, you know what I'm saying, mind-blowing about that story itself. No. Um, it was... It was like kind of like a live action heavy metal or something. You know? <laughs> it was it was definitely like a live action heavy metal, and it, I I think you're right. I mean, most sci fi that we've gotten recently, uh, Fantastic Planet blows it away. I think 
Uh, Paul is right is that you're, you're starting to see it kind of come back like with Arrival. You know, mm-hmm. and some people would say inter, say Interstellar, and I was like, yeah, I can kind of see Interstellar, but definitely Arrival. Arrival yeah. to me, I just that film, the first, that's one of the few films in a long time that I watched, and it was done. I could officially say my mind was just blown. Yeah, it, it was. It was just like, what did I just watch? And you chew on everything with you know what happens in the film, and then seeing it a second time nothing was lost in fact i even had more questions yeah. the second time i watched it but you you're right we don't get i think that storytelling as much especially with the sci-fi anymore because th- with the technology and special effects it's more of wowing of the spectacle than telling the story with a lot of it which yeah. necessarily isn't bad not saying every sci-fi needs to be heady but in 73 when fantastic planet came out that was more of the norm with your sci-fi that was was the messagey uh you know make your mind think type of stuff like 2001 fantastic planet you mentioned silent green i mean you know all messages all things confronting which i agree sci-fi i think the best sci-fi is one that addresses current topics through the use of science fiction yeah it's just now we have those that are also action movies you know <laughs> they're just explosions and, and flashy effects but the story is, is really basic to where once you leave the only thing that you really remember is well that ship looked cool yeah, and, and I I wonder though if audiences are trained because you know my question I always come back to is, and you know we mentioned it's like would would audiences would today's audiences even have the the patience for a movie like this or an appreciation for a movie like this? And it's like well you know uh, if they did this in all CG or you know motion capture or whatever else, would people really be into it. Or what it had to say, or do they want it to be like, hey, we got, we're going to take Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal, we're going to take the plot of Alien and Gravity, and just mix them up, and here, here's this new movie. Like, oh no, no, we want that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I'm sure it'd find its audience, but probably wouldn't be a box office anything. I think at you know, uh, if a film like Fantastic Planet was out, I'm not sure. You know, especially if it was done still in that artistic style. Yeah. Especially it that would be it'd be considered one of those art house picks with very limited release that only people who go to the art house films would ever <laughs> <laughs> would ever really see. And again, that's not necessarily saying bad, but you know, this f- film they did release it. Apparently there is a US release for it because they have uh voices done, including uh, Barry Boswick doing a voice. Really? Who does he, Barry Boswick do? He, Is he, he does Tara? The, he does the older tear. Oh, when, cool. when he gets a little older, apparently Barry Boswick does the voice, uh, did the voice dubbing for Terror uh, when he got when when he got older later in the film. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, the, I have the um I have the Criterion Blu-ray and it does have the alternate English language soundtrack. Now I'm reading on the back of it. So wow. I'll, I'll have to check it out. I was gonna say because I'd be interested to to hear what that sounded like because I, I I usually try to watch it in the original language the film is in with subtitles. 
Yeah, it's uh, got two. Um, let's get. It's got two early short films um, that this that these two guys did together, Renee Lu and Roland Topper. I, but I what I want to see is um, Renee Lu's shorts that he made before that because Renee Lu, excuse me, because he how he got started in animation. This is crazy. You want to know what he did? What did he do? He was uh, working at an insane asylum or some kind of mental hospital or something like that. And he um, worked on, uh, he made short films with based on the patient's ideas and drawings. Wow. So his first two movies were end up showing on TV, but the patients drew the characters and came <laughs> up with the stories. It was great, right? Wow. That's, it, that'd be a wild approach. Yeah, I'd love to see those. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be, yeah, that's, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, because uh, there's like a documentary about him on the disc and it shows small pieces of them, but I'm like, no, 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 wait. <laughs> Why aren't these on here? You know, they might be lost. I don't know what they had. Somebody had to get the footage from somewhere and they look great. Yeah, that would be cool if they released those as well. Because, yeah, I I dig this film quite a bit for it being having a message, having a theme, still being pertained to today. And I even dig the art, the artistic style, the way it was was made. And that there's actually a lot of things going on with every every scene. There there's so much artistry and and detail and such in it that you're every time you watch it, you catch a glimpse of maybe something a little something else or appreciate how something was done a little bit more. So um, I think we'll wrap it up here tonight. Paul had some technical difficulties uh, at the recording of this episode, but he still wanted to give his final thoughts on Fantastic Planet. Like Andrew had mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, Fantastic Planet is this very trippy film. Uh, I found it artistic both visually and for its sound design. Uh, The environments were extremely stunning and alien. The drog are alien as well, and yet there's so much uh, of ourselves that can be found in them at the same time. I, I really liked that. Uh, you can see elements of the ohm in the drug uh, throughout moments in the film. So that was just a really nice way to show how alien we can be ourselves, you know. Uh, the film does seriously lack in a hero. I know we talked about this earlier, uh, especially the way that we view heroes. We get all these uh, superhero films now, and there's definitely not that type of character in this film the story kind of follows the life of terror and he really does lack a lot of the qualities that we identify as being heroic. I guess what I really would like to have seen in this story or at the very end was to have terror with his own boy. I think it would have been a, a really nice book end to the story and it would have been, I think a, a better ending for me anyways. Uh, Andrew, what about your final thought with fantastic planet? Uh, do you think it, it is still kind of stands the test of time and it is worth a watch for those out there who like sci-fi. Yeah. I want you guys to watch this movie and I want you to be inspired by this movie. And I want you to see what science fiction can really be because um, my generation, our generation, Mark and I, um, our idea of sci-fi is informed by um, popular entertainment and fantastic planet was made at a time where, that wasn't necessarily a big thing and it definitely wasn't something that the masses were eating up 
And it was also something that still had like a lot of real thought behind it. I want people to see Fantastic Planet and go, dude, if they could do this and be this imaginative in, you know, the late 60s and early 70s with no money, look at the technology we have now. God, the mind, your mind should be blown and exploding of what you could do. Um, because if these guys could do this with this, what can you do? You know, and I, I think if we're going to look to old books <laughs> for inspiration and be like, because that's how they did this. They found mm -hmm. a weird old sci-fi book and they got a great artist. And he drew from his imagination based on the characters in the thing. And then they just animated it. That's all mm -hmm. they did. So I, I want people to, people need to see this and um, take at it from that angle. It's just, it's like an old, take inspiration from the old things, take a new approach. It's, it's very well said. And I, I completely agree. People, people should watch this, get inspired by this, see what you can do with a story of an animated film. Technology isn't just how many little plates we can put on a transformer. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that could be done with it, uh, but it, it won't happen from the studios. Not anytime. I mean, or very rarely. We, we've gotten maybe two or three at most, I could think, sci-fi films in the last shit, five to ten years that really just make you think and everything that came from studios. But uh, independent folks out there, heck, you could you can do it from your home now with the technology out there, buy a software package for a couple hundred bucks and, and do something. And if you've got a good story, I mean, I, I feel the same. It's kind of the way I am with video games too. And, and where the parallel is, is if you've got a good story, if you've got something that keeps me engaged, I don't necessarily need the, the extremely flashy graphics. If you got a good narrative, if you got yeah. something that, is is telling that's an intriguing story that's compelling me to want to watch it again to see what i missed the first time and fantastic planet is a movie like that that you've got to watch more than once to really catch everything uh you know and, and you can make stuff like that now it's just that they it feels like the studios take the easy way out for the majority not all but the majority of their films because they think that's what's going to be marketable and in some ways they're right you know but when we get films like arrival uh, interstellar in, in a sense um you know you you get these things that make you think a little bit more those need to be supported because we need more stuff like that because if there was any call for intelligent thought to be reactivated and revitalized now would be a fantastic time for that to to happen yeah i and, think i mean honestly that's why i think they're looking to start the matrix again and go back into that world is because that was one of the last times something brand new in sci-fi hit really big mm -hmm. yeah it was it was marketable and it was different and it had a, a compelling story and an interesting unusual take on things and, and broke expectations of what you were initially watching. Uh, and I agree. Yeah. So folks, if you haven't caught the idea, go see fantastic planet. Uh, we'll wrap it up here tonight. I want to thank Paul, uh, even though with his technical difficulties, he was able to join us uh, in the uh, episode tonight. And Andrew, I want to thank you. I appreciate your time 
in this. And why don't you just tell folks real quick where they can find you at when you're not uh, talking with us? Oh, well, first of all, thank you, Mark, for uh, extending invitation to me. I always have a good time on this show and talking to you. I always come away with great insight and it causes me to think about film, you know, in a different way than I normally do. Your questions are always awesome. And I actually learn a lot from you, um, the way you direct traffic and <laughs> calling people. So I have a lot to learn still. Um, I listen back to my, my recordings. I go, dude, I talk too much to call yeah. people. You've anyway, I think it's, I think some of it you get from sports because they're like, you know, the commentators and stuff, they, sure. they hand it off to each other. <laughs> I don't, I need to, yeah, I don't, that's, I think you, that's one of the benefits that you get from watching that. We do have blue boobs in, in pajama nightmare. There's a woman we painted completely blue. Um, <laughs> my friends and I here in Athens, Georgia, make our own movies under the banner of Gonzorific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. So um, look us up on YouTube or uh, Instagram or Facebook. And if you want to rent some of our movies on Amazon on demand, we have, Pajama Nightmare, we have the Underground Cinema, Cinema with an S, and our latest Late Night Cable. And it's just a lot of fun, really weird. And we do have some sci-fi. We got space boobs. You get space boobs. Because there's always, because in space, there's always room for boobs. I was going to say, yeah, in space, uh, no one can hear your boobs. <laughs> no, they can't. And Paul, where can they find you at? And you can find me at my blog at forsakenfilmreviews.wordpress.com and check out newhorrorfest.com for the latest on the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival. Uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed our conversation and got you interested in seeing this film. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. I appreciate it. All of you out there listening, we grow in uh, listeners all the time. And if you want to interact with us more, head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash SMPRD. Yes, stands for Special Mark Productions. So that's S is in Sam, M is in Mary, PRD, and join the group. And you can have discussions about our episodes, past and present, as well as even have input on what we might cover next. And also check out the other stuff we've got at SpecialMarkProductions.com. Now say goodnight, Andrew. Good night, Smippard. Good night, and and dream of blue boobs. <laughs> Dude, all, all the time. <laughs>